Hey guys, you are now listening to the Maranatha House Podcast. Um, so before we get started, I'm going to give a couple testimonies just because I think they're cool and I just want to encourage you guys. Um, the first one is I'm wearing new glasses today because my eyesight got better, not because it got worse. Um, and I'm pretty stoked about that. Yeah, my eyes got better. So these glasses are new. Yeah, so um, pretty, thank you, I'm pretty stoked. You still have a a what? Oh, thanks. Yeah. These are David Beckham glasses. I don't know if you guys knew hey, David Beckham go. makes glasses. What a weird side hustle for a soccer player. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's true. Yeah. She's probably the one secretly designing them. Um, and then the other thing is, I know we're talking about prophecy and hearing from the Lord. Uh, so I've been discipling this guy whom um, I'm doing his wedding in May. For him and his his fiance, and uh, he's he's not a cessationist, but he is Calvinist, pretty reformed, and so he's been asking me a lot of questions. And I don't know why the Lord just gives me favor with these reformed dudes, like whether it's Cam living with me for the long time, or now with this guy. Um, got a couple other reformed friends that I'm pretty close to, Brandon Blevins being one of those guys. I know you guys have met him at least once. Um, yeah. We'll, we'll see. He's he's actually not with Goochland Young Life anymore. His last day is on the last Monday of the month. Yeah. And he's going to be uh, the out uh, uh, outreach director for West End Prez for a similar program to Young Life, but for a refugee neighborhood next door to the church. So, yeah, he's pretty stoked about that. I'm pretty stoked for him. Um, but anyway, so I've been discipling this guy for uh, a couple months now. and been talking to him about hearing from the Lord. Um, the last hangout session that I had with him was last Sunday, and we really like hammered in um, some of the basics. We didn't get into a lot of the theology of it like we're going to do right now, uh, just because I, of where he's at, um, being a little too theology heavy. I wanted to kind of move into practical things. But um, so after us sitting down, uh, he heard from the Lord in a way that allowed him to lead a coworker to the Lord this past week, which he was stoked about. And then today he actually got his first word from the Lord where the Lord was talking to him about who the Lord is for him. Um, and so I, uh, you know, it took a couple weeks to get there and him figuring it out. As, as we get into these things more and more, you know, there'll be, you know, more theological stuff we're going to talk about, especially today. And, you know, but eventually uh, I'm going to try not to bore you guys. This stuff really excites me. Uh, stick with it. Stick with me for a couple more weeks. And then we're going to get into the practical. How do you hear from the Lord? And then the week after that, uh, we will do some prophecy, prophecy games and exercises to put the time that you've been putting into this to the test and really develop some of the gift. So. Um, I say that because I, I just want to encourage you guys, the, the young man that I've been discipling, I haven't done any of the games with him. I haven't taken him through any of the stuff you guys are going through. 
which tells me that by the time we get to that point, you guys are going to be hearing from the Lord way better than he has been, right? Um, but because it comes from more of a Reformed cessationist background, he's hearing little bit by little bit easier than, you know. So anyway, I say all that, I say all that to encourage you guys. I'm going to pray. Then we're going to get into some stuff. Um, like always, I mean, you guys know me. Ask questions, especially since we have a small group tonight. Um, and the people who might be listening to this on the podcast, if you have questions, feel free to reach out to Cam and Mo. If you've got my number, you can call me too, um, you know, or text me and we'll, we'll talk. Um, bing! Uh, so yeah, um, let's pray. Abba, we come before you in the name of Jesus, and I just want to thank you so much for worship tonight. Thank you so much for bringing us closer to you, Lord. I, uh, there's one thing that I ask, there's one thing that I seek to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold your beauty and to meditate in your temple. Lord, that's my prayer. I pray that that would be a prayer that each and every person who hears this would pray, because it's only through being in your temple and meditating in your temple that we're able to hear you. It's only through knowing your word are we able to hear you. And so uh, I just want to thank you for your word. I want to thank you for how you reveal yourself to us and um, just what we're going to get into tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, so tonight we're going to talk about receiving and declaring prophetic revelation um, and the three sources of where that revelation comes from. Uh, this is either overemphasized to different degrees, or it's completely overlooked altogether. Uh, again, while we're getting into this stuff, I know I've said this over and over again. I'm going to say it again because people are going to be listening to this on a podcast. One of the reasons why we're going over so much of the, the theological side of this is because a lot of continuationists and charismatics in a localized church level don't talk about this stuff enough. And so when it comes time to defend it, the Bible says that we need to be ready to defend our faith in each and every situation. I'm paraphrasing that, of course. And uh, we, I want you guys to be ready to defend it. I want you guys to know why we believe these things. I want you to know why it's important to walk these things out. I want you to know God's heart behind it. Because the more we know Him, the easier it is to walk in what He's called us to walk in. If He's called us to walk into the gift of prophecy, which I believe He calls everybody to, He the Bible is pretty clear that he desires that everyone should desire this gift, um, then it's important that we know about it, right? So um, let's get into it. So prophetic revelation, that's what we're going to talk about a little bit tonight and where it comes from. Prophetic revelation consists of two essential aspects. The first is receiving revelation from God. Um, and when training people on the prophetic, it's important to help them discern the voice of God when he communicates with them, right? That's the whole idea of the prophetic that we laid out in our first session on prophecy was prophecy in its simplest form is seeing what the Father does and doing it, hearing what the Father says and saying it, right? Um, so it's important that we hear from him. The second aspect is understanding how a prophetic word is to be delivered. Uh, as these two aspects of the prophetic word are understood, the church will be edified. And what is one of the things that prophecy does? It edifies, right? It edifies the church. It's supposed to build up, encourage, exhort, oftentimes comfort, and even convict. But all of that goes into making sure the church is built up, not torn down, right? So 
before we get into the three sources of prophetic revelation, we have to talk about the Hebrew word for spirit. You guys know what that word is? Ruach. Ruach. Ruach in Arabic. Ruach. In Hebrew, they like to throw that ch at the end of it, and it just yeah, makes a spit it. sound. Um, just hakalubi when you speak. Yeah. Ruach. Uh, <laughs> just like that. I hope so. I hope so. Uh, if you're looking at, if you want to look at it up in the Strong's Concordance, it's H seventy three O three. Now, this word is very important for our study on prophetic revelation because revelation always comes from a spirit. Prophetic revelation, no matter what it is, comes from a spirit. Uh, now, sometimes we use this as an excuse to get super spiritual so that we don't have to explain what's happening or even how spiritual things work. I've been in churches where they've done this. But one of my biggest pet peeves is, uh, you know, I'll just be honest, is when a minister stays in this place that's so spiritual that they can't explain what they are teaching or what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. I think that's irresponsible, so we're going to try to avoid that altogether. Now, there are some things we need to chalk up to mystery. I get that. But as much as we can, as much as the Word of God allows us to, we need to dig deep. You know, the Psalms say that deep cries out to deep. We need to get deep and understand what the Lord is talking about and what He's revealing to us. All right? We need to be able to uh, teach accordingly and talk about theology accordingly, you know. Um, that's why I try to use words like continuationism and, and you know, different cessationism and, and the different things so that you guys have an idea if you're going to encounter somebody. I want you guys to be wise enough to have conversations with people and to defend what you believe. And I also don't want you going into situations with people um, especially Christians that might think differently than you and you walk away feeling stupid because I've been there and I don't like it. I don't want you guys to be there. I don't want you guys to, to be in that place. And, and one of the other biggest things is, and this is nothing against, this is actually a, one of the things I want to applaud our reformed brothers and sisters on is that their theology is so systematic. They know what they believe, where to find what they believe in the Bible and be able to explain it perfectly. We as continuationists and as, People who lean more towards Arminianism, we don't know how to explain things rightly. We don't take the time to do it a lot of times. And I think that that needs to change for us to be able to grow. And we're all Bible students. Yes, right, exactly. Um, so let's get back to the word ruach for a second. Actually, we're going to sit here for a long time. So this word in the Hebrew is actually translated into several different words in the English. Um, because of how the Hebrew mind thought of the word. Now, the word ruach is most often translated as spirit. When you see the word Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew, that's actually, it's ruach hakadosh, which means Holy Spirit, right? Um, now, it also, though, it translates to the word wind. It translates to the word breath. And one of the most interesting things that it translates to is the word mind or brain. In Hebrew, they did not have a word to describe someone's brain or someone's mind, how they think. So in the Hebrew mind, they don't say in the Hebrew mind. They would say in the Hebrew spirit. 
their spirit and their mind in Hebrew are the same thing. All right? So. Is that the same word for heart? No. Okay. It's a different word. It's a different word. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. Because in the English, in, in Western society, we think, oh, our, our spirit is in our heart. No. That's not Hebrew thinking at all. No. no. In, in the Hebrew, your spirit was in your innermost being. It's, it's, it's where the idea of thinking with your gut, following your gut comes from. You've ever heard that term, follow your gut? Like your gut has its own mind? Well, why does it have its own mind? It's because your spirit and your mind, they're deeply connected. They're deeply connected. They influence each other all the time. Now get this. I, I think this is important to talk about the fact that Ruach means both spirit and mind. Uh, the spirit and the mind of a Hebrew were very closely related. In fact, if we study any sort of theology on spiritual warfare, right, we see that evil spirits attack our mind and thought life before they have access to us spiritually. Not only in times of spiritual warfare, but in times of peace or in times of intense sanctification, we know and understand how we are doing based on how our spirits and our minds interact with each other. Not only in times of spiritual warfare, but also in times of peace or intense sanctification, we know and we understand how we are doing based on how our spirits and our minds interact with each other. So I'll give you an example. Have you ever been in a season or in a time period where you can't verbalize with your mind what's going on with you, but you know on a spiritual level something's off. Well, how would you know that unless your spirit and your mind are connecting and talking to each other? You know, um, being health likes to say that uh, your, you know, if you think about your mind, your mind is your conscious and your consciousness and your your spirit is your subconsciousness. You know, um, there are other ministries that talk about this type of stuff too. Dr. Carolyn Leaf does a lot of amazing stuff on this. Um, there's a lot of really great theological material on this. I, I don't want to get into that too much today because of the purpose of what we're talking about. But um, there are times where at the same time, um, you may not necessarily feel something in your spirit, but you know something's off because of your mind. For instance, uh, I'll give you a perfect example of this. In James, it says, if you know what you ought to do, but do not do it, it is a sin, right? If you know what you're supposed to do and do not do it, it is a sin. You may not feel it like it's a sin in, in your spirit, but your mind picks up on it because you know this is what you're supposed to be doing. And so because you know that, and because it's just a sin, right? What you know, what you're experiencing with your mind affects your spirit because what is sin? Sin is first and foremost a spiritual disease. It kills our spirit and our spirit, our uh, our spiritual climate, the spiritual climate inside of us, our garden, our Eden inside of us. It goes after that and cuts connection to that before it cuts connection to our souls or our bodies. Right? The healthier you get spiritually, typically the healthier you're going to be. And this isn't just like me saying this because I believe the Bible. At this point, there have been studies done on this. The more spiritual you are, the healthier you end up being mentally, emotionally. Um, 
psychologically. That's why so many people are chasing spiritual things nowadays because of the science behind it. But you notice they don't get any healthier. They, in fact, a lot of the times they get sicker because there's only one spirituality, quote unquote, that actually produces life and life abundant. And that's life in the spirit, the Holy Spirit, Jesus, and in, in being in fellowship with Jesus Christ, right? So let's, but saying all that, let's, let's look at, um, let's look at some scriptures. All right, um, we go to, uh, <clears throat> if we go to uh, Psalm 51.10, it says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit in me. Now, again, this verse, uh, most of the time it's going to be translated, renew a right spirit in me. But you could also translate this as, Lord, create in me a clean heart and renew a steadfast mind in me. Give me a right mind. Renew in me the right a right spirit, but renew in me a right mind. Right? Um, I know that this is controversial, but I would say 95% of all mental illnesses occur because of a spirit. Because of how it attacks the mind and because of how closely the two are related. Um, at least when it comes to ministry and the things that I've seen um, in my experience, I would, I would say that. There might be others that would differ. That's fine. I'm, I'm going to teach you what I've experienced and what I see throughout Scripture. And I don't, I don't ever see where anyone is, who is having a mental health issue isn't affected by a spirit. We look at King Saul. We can look at the demoniac. We can look at um, the guy who was chained up in, in, the, in, the, in the tombs, right? He was cutting himself. Spirit was cast out of him. It was completely fine, right? Um, and I, when I look at my own life, it wasn't until I experienced Jesus and the Holy Spirit came to dwell inside of me and kicked all that stuff out, and even going through deliverance myself, that I started to think clearly and any mental health issues that I had were gone, right? Um, in Isaiah, it talks about having a spirit of heaviness, and you trade your spirit of heaviness for the for the garments of praise, right? That heaviness. That word heaviness there actually more accurately translates to depression. Well, what is depression? It's a mental health issue, right? But it's a, a spirit of depression, right? So. Have you seen? I don't have to Yeah. I have not seen his. I've seen other diagrams. I would love to see his though because I respect the heck out of him. So, um, so let's go to our next verse, uh, Romans twelve two. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, right? That you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So we've got one verse here talking about renewing your spirit, right? Psalm fifty one ten, and then we've got another verse. Romans twelve two that talks about renewing your mind, renewing your mind. But that's like <laughs> yeah, but the guy who wrote it was a Jew. Is it the same word? Is that ruach? No, it's it's not ruach because it's Greek, and the Greeks actually had, oh, okay. uh, you know, actually had the idea of not not the idea. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just a hint. Um, yeah, but. Uh, 
If you go to the chain reference in your Bible and you look at verse 2, guess what chain reference is linked to this verse? Psalm 51.10. Why? Because, right, because even though Paul was writing in Greek at that time, he's still a Jew and everything that he wrote about in his letters are all references to the scriptures that he had at that time period. We have to remember that the scriptures that the apostles taught out of were not the New Testament. They were the Old. And so when Paul's saying, renew your mind, he's not talking about the New Testament. He's talking about the Old. When Paul is saying, remember to obey the commandments, he's not talking about the New Testament. He's talking about the Old. When he's talking to the Gentiles and he's saying, hey, Gentiles, make sure that you go back and you reread the scriptures, be Berean, he's not saying, hey, look at all the letters that I wrote that are already out. They weren't out yet. He's actually saying, hey, Make sure you know your heritage. Jesus is a Jewish God. And if you believe in him, you have to understand his history. Right? So, interesting chain reference there, right? And in our Western mindset, we think that spirit and mind are different. Paul is actually referencing the same verse that we looked at before and saying, no, they're the same. They're connected. Right? And get this. He takes it a step further. If we go to Ephesians 4.23. <laughs> Oh, does it? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, I some Bibles may not mine. The ESV that I have right now ref, is, has a chain to it. It's a callback. Yeah. Um. So, <clears throat> if you got a super study Bible, it would probably have all the references to it and not miss a beat. But you know. Yeah, so Ephesians 4.23, it says, And be renewed in the spirit of your minds. So Paul is actually saying in the spirit of your minds. He's, he's connecting the two, right? What does it mean to have the spirit of your mind? I'll be honest, I don't really know because to me it just seems to all be connected. Um, but uh, it drives the point home. And my reference for this verse is actually Romans 12, 2, which yeah. connects back to the original thought in the Hebrew, Psalm 51, 10, right? And so my point in this is there, whether you believe that the spirit and mind in the Hebrew are the same thing, or whether you come into a New Testament sort of thinking in the Greek where there's a spirit and a mind, the issue is still the same because in this verse it says the spirit of your mind. So Regardless, it's connecting the mind and the spirit and emphasizing that no matter what theology you're kind of adhering to, whether new or old, whether from the Hebrew mindset or the Greek mindset, your spirit and your mind, they are, they are connected. There's no way of getting around it. All right? Um, you know, and we could go into other verses too. Like if we really want to get into the spiritual warfare aspect of it, we can go to 2 Corinthians. 10 verses uh, 4 through 6, it says, The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are spiritual in nature, able to bring into obedience every lofty thought and bring every imagination under the obedience to Jesus. Where do thoughts and imaginations come from? They come from our mind, right? But it's saying that the warfare that we do in our minds, our thinking, is spiritual. A spiritual war, right? So again, 
we're connecting the dots and we're saying, okay, this idea of our minds and our spirits being separate are, is not, it's not true. It, they, are, they, are very, they are very connected on a spiritual level, on a physical level, on a, an emotional level. Um, you cannot take away the spiritual side of your mental health and only focus on your mental health and say, oh, I'm healthy in my mental health. If your spirit is dying or if your spirit is dead or if your spirit is under the attack of the enemy, they're going to affect each other. And in the same token, you know, if you're if you say your spirit is healthy, but your mental health is. Trash, well, then chances are your spirit probably isn't healthy either because of how connected they are. We have to reconcile this and we have to reckon with it in our in our beings and, and, and in Scripture. They're, they're so vastly connected. Um, they're so incredibly connected. So the reason why I bring this up is because uh, the verses listed seem to imply that our spirits, uh, that as our spirits are renewed, so are our minds because they are related to one another. When we prophesy or when we receive prophetic revelation, we are given access to the mind of God. It teaches us to see from his perspective. His spirit cleanses our minds and as our spirit as our spirit interacts with him. His spirit cleanses our minds as our spirit interacts with him. Um, this is important too to remember. Again, like you're gonna see a lot of callbacks when we get into how we talk about hearing from the Lord uh, in this stuff. This is all a setup. I'm setting you guys up to receive from the Lord and learn how to receive the, from the Lord more clearly because a lot of the times when we've heard things preached in continuation in circles about these mighty men of God receiving these, you know, super accurate prophetic revelations, we think, oh, I can never be that spiritual. Well, the fact of the matter is the more, the more you grow in the spirit and the more you become healthy and walking in the spirit, the more it affects your mind. And so, Hearing from the Lord, receiving prophetic revelation isn't this like deep heart, ethereal, like philosophical thing. Yeah. It, it, is, it is literally the Lord is talking to you and you process it in your mind and, you, and then you, you say what you hear. And he does that in a very, a very various ways, which we'll get into later. But I want to I, like like we set out to do in the beginning in our first session. I want to demystify this for you yeah. because it's not that hard. Yeah. And people have made it hard because they've over-spiritualized it and they haven't explained it the right way or they make it super dry because they don't know how to really dive into these things in a way that builds over time, I would say, right? And so I want to demystify this all, all, for, all this for you guys. Does that make sense? Are you guys following me? You guys tracking? Yeah. Questions, comments, concerns before I move into the next part? Questions. Okay. Um, thinking about that, it's not such a maybe a spiritual thing as a way of like yeah. conjuring up something that's not already that God has put in front of us. Yeah. Could you say that having a spiritual mind is just knowing the will of God? And if you don't know the will of God, yeah. you're still in ignorance and you're operating under another person. Yeah, you could say that. That's yeah. Yeah, you could definitely say that. Um I think I, you know, it's the reason why we're supposed to re renew our minds to do what, right? To be, uh, so that we're not transformed by the world or conformed by the world, but we're transformed, right? So that we can test 
what is the uh, good and perfect and acceptable will of God. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, you know, as we get into these three sources of prophetic revelation, which is kind of the meat and potatoes of, of this teaching, I think, um, for this session, I think a lot of people think they're prophesying from the Holy Spirit, but they're not because they don't know their minds aren't being washed by the water of the word. You know, I know a lot of the times we use the term brainwashing in the West to talk about like, oh man, you're brainwashing and believing this evil thing. But the word of God is supposed to wash our brains. So we think the way he thinks. It's literally, I mean, that's what Ephesians says, right? By washing by the water of the word, we need to have our minds washed. And um, I think it's impossible to hear God clearly if we're not, if we're not washing our minds with the Word of God so that we understand what He sounds like when He talks to us. And um, if we don't understand that, then we we will always have difficulty with the gift of prophecy and not just for others, but hearing from Him for ourselves. You know, we'll, we'll you know, I, I, I think about uh, one one big thing is like, you know, are you going to, I mean, we'll just, we'll get into it. I think, um, I think some people are, you know, would say that they're prophesying that this next move of God, uh, includes affirming, you know, the LGBTQI plus community and letting them continue in their sin. And if you read scripture, that's just, you can't possibly say that. And so to, to try to prophesy that, when it goes, when it's in complete contradiction of Scripture, would be, yeah, you would be prophesying from a different spirit, you know. Now, the Holy Spirit yeah. was doing that. Is it does yeah. this become a compromise of your faith? I think at that point, right, it becomes a compromise of saying, "What is the will of God?" Yeah, yeah. And going back to that, and then saying, "Well, I don't think the Bible's right, innocent and inherent in God's view." Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you have to really settle the fact that the Bible is the inerrant Word of God in its in its original languages, because we have different English translations, and every translation has a um, an agenda behind it for sure, um, and have different manuscripts that it translates from, and so we have to understand that and. That's why I think it's great to be able to read and pull from a little bit of everything to understand what the word is saying in the English. But also, if you can afford to begin to study things like the Blue Letter Bible and the Strongs and try to understand the words a little bit better in context and things like that, you know, I think everybody can be a theologian. Um, everyone is a theologian. I think we can be better theologians if we, well, I mean, I'll just I'll call it for what it is. If we love the, if we truly love the Lord better. Because we're supposed to love them with all of our mind, too. And uh, part of being a theologian is loving the Lord with your mind and knowing His will according to the Word of God. You know? So. <clears throat> cool. Anything else? You already drove it all the way home. I just want to pull into this by the way now. I was looking at 1 Peter. 1 Peter 113. Therefore, having girded your minds to action being sober in spirit Oof. fix your hope completely yeah. on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation yeah. of 
Yeah, look at that. Mind and spirit connected again. I would be willing to venture if you did a if you did a word study on mind in the letters from the apostles, you would find the word mind and spirit either in the same verse or with within two or three verses of each other, building on each other. Be will, I would be willing to bet that. I'd put money on it. <laughs> a lot um <laughs> all right so let's let's get into the you know the title that i had cam send out to you guys three sources of prophetic revelation the first source is the one we think about the most often as continuationists it's the holy spirit the holy spirit is a source of prophetic revelation you guys ready we're gonna read some verses so we go to second peter one Verse 21, it says, For no prophecy has ever produced, was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Now, we know that there are prophecies that have been spoken from other people's spirits and from demonic spirits. In, in reference, we should have gone back uh, <laughs> a couple verses. Let's start in verse 19 so we understand the reference because Second uh, Peter 1, we'll do 19 through 21 since if you only read 21, it seems like prophecy can't come from any other sources, which isn't true. Uh, Peter's speaking specifically about Scripture right here. So he says, And we have something more sure, the prophetic word to which we will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place, this is a reference to Psalm uh, 119, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in our hearts, that's a reference to Malachi, uh, knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture, there's the reference, right? Of Scripture, it's what he's talking about, comes from someone else's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So Scripture is a prophetic word. Past, present, future. Scripture is a prophetic word. It is God-breathed by the Holy Spirit. If you ever want to prophesy accurately over somebody, you can say, the first thing you can say, this is what Todd White says. He says, if you ever want to be 100% accurate in a prophetic word all the time, just walk up to somebody and say, Jesus loves you. He died for your sins. Boom, prophetic word right there. But the other thing that you can do if you are ever curious about the prophetic word that you get, because sometimes we do get strange things. Does it align with the word of God? And if you don't feel like it does, for whatever reason, you can always just ask God, God, what does scripture say? Give me a Bible verse to give them. Yeah. Prophetic. Boom. Right then and there. Right? Um, let's go to Luke 1. <clears throat> Luke 1, starting in verse 67. There are 80. Yeah. Um, yeah, there are 80. <laughs> well, it's a full prophetic word. That's why there's so many. So this is Zechariah. This is the this is the father of John the Baptist. John the Baptist is finally born, and the Lord is like Zechariah. Good job. You held your tongue. Now open it and prophesy. 
So, <laughs> yeah. So get this. Uh, verse 67 says, And his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. Well, there you go. We could stop reading right there if we wanted to. Um, I wanted you guys to see this. He was filled with the Spirit and then he prophesied. And he prophesied and said, Blessed be the Lord, God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of the holy prophets of old, that we should be saved from our enemies, from the hand of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant to us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him in all of our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, and he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. This is a prophetic word about John the Baptist. The only way that Zechariah could have given this accurately was if he was filled by the Holy Spirit. Right? We see that. We see that. It's pretty clear. Um, we're going to go to Acts 4. X4, we're going to do 8 through 12. Um, so thus far we've talked about past and we've talked about future prophecy with these two examples. The, the past one being the reference in 2 Peter, right? Because he's referencing scriptures that have already been written. Past. The future one. The foretelling uh, um, with Zechariah prophesying about his son, being John the Baptist, preparing the way from the Lord. This one is, again, foretelling. It's a word of knowledge, but it's about the present and where the Pharisees at this time period are, and Peter just calls them out. He sees into their hearts by the Holy Spirit. He's filled. He's just like, I'm going to let this rip. All right, so... In verse 8 it says, And then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you and the, the builders, which has become a cornerstone. And there is no, there is no one else. There's no, there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. So, um, Holy Spirit, right? So, 
we bring these things up because if we go to 1 Corinthians 2, verse 16. Um, 2, 16. So, when we prophesy through the Holy Spirit, we're given access to the mind of God. Right? The Holy Spirit, here we go again, Spirit gives us access to God's mind. Spirit-mind connection. Right? First uh, Corinthians 2.16 says, For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct Him? But we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. We as Christians with access to the Holy Spirit when we hear Him. We are given access to the mind of Jesus. You alright, dog? Bro, I, I'm like 90% sure I just sided with Isaiah 4.13. That's awesome. So, um, the Holy Spirit gives us spontaneous revelation through our asking for it in our submission to Him. Right? Um, and I want to I emphasize that. We have to ask for it. I know throughout Scripture, when we read about these big-name prophets going out and being like, thus saith the Lord, like they are just getting it, which in some cases they do, uh, we have to remember that they have built a history with the Lord where they ask to hear from Him in their private life. And I think one of the reasons why... if to build a theology as to why people don't hear from the Holy Spirit and don't prophesy as much as they could is because they don't spend enough time um, in the secret place with the Lord asking to hear from Him. Yeah. You know? Um, so I'll say that. Now, you guys ready? This is where we're going to start to get a little more complicated because we don't talk about some of these other things enough. We're talking about the human spirit. Did you know you could prophesy out of your own spirit? Let's go to Ezekiel 13. We're going to start in verse 1. Yeah. Ezekiel 13, verse 1. You guys ready? The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, prophesy against the prophets of Israel who are prophesying and saying to those who prophesy from their own hearts. Hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, Woe to the foolish prophets who follow their own spirit and have seen nothing. Your prophets have been like jackals among ruins, O Israel. You have not gone up into the breaches or built up a wall for the house of Israel that it might stand in the battle in battle in the day of the Lord. They have seen false visions and lying divinations. And they say, Declare, declares the Lord when the Lord has not sent them, and yet they expect him to fulfill their word. You see that? Ezekiel just got a prophetic word from the Holy Spirit that said, hey, go tell these other prophets they're about to be cursed because 
They're prophesying out of their own hearts. They're not prophesying anymore. They're prophesying, right? Right. They're using his name, which means they're using his name in vain, which is really the reason why he's going after them in this moment. Um, let's go to let's go to Jeremiah twenty three sixteen. It's a pretty famous verse. Uh, yeah, Jeremiah twenty three sixteen. Uh, it says, "Thus says the Lord of hosts: Do not listen to the words of the prophets who prophesy to you, filling you with vain hopes. They speak visions of their own minds." Now, keep in mind this word "mind" here in the Hebrew is ruach, right? So, prophesying out of their own mind or spirits, not from the mouth of the Lord. Not from the mouth of the Lord. Isn't that interesting? So look, uh, when we prophesy, some translations say our own imagination. When we go back to Ezekiel, remember where it said they're prophesying out of their own hearts before it got to the, the, the verse where it says prophesying by their own spirits? So when we look at the word heart here, it's, uh, it's actually the word let. Or let, maybe? I don't know. Hebrew is hard sometimes. <coughs> Uh, it's H3820 in the Strong's, and it also means understanding. It means mind, understanding, or feelings. Prophesying out of your own feelings. <laughs> Does that sound familiar? We are prophesying out of our own spirit when we think a prophetic word into existence based on our own understanding or feelings. Remember when we looked at two weeks ago, when we looked at uh, in, the, in the Hebrew, what the words prophecy meant? It was always a spontaneous action, right? Uh, now, a lot of the times we'll say, oh, well, then that means you can't ask. No, the Lord can spontaneous speak if we ask Him. He doesn't have to ask at all. You know what I mean? Like He can just give you something or you can ask and He can still just give it to you after after you ask. You know, we have to get over this idea of spontaneity being just, you know, whatever. Like if I want to go on a spontaneous date with my wife, I still have to ask her, hey, can we go out? Let's go on a date. Let's do something. Especially having kids. You know, so, uh, but she still has to reciprocate that. That doesn't make it any less spontaneous. It just means I initiated it. We can initiate with God's spontaneity. Does that make sense? Now, when we're prophesying out of our own spirits, there's no spontaneity. We will literally think and feel and understand our way into whatever we want. Whatever we want to say. Um, this isn't spontaneous, it's methodical. If we are in our feelings about somebody, I've seen people do this. I have probably done it. We see where they're at in their life and it, and it ticks us off or it makes us sad and we just sit and we think about them all day long. We have this methodical thought process that ends up happening 
It's not spontaneous. We're literally thinking about them all day long and we just go, oh, well, I should say something to them because I feel this way about what they're going through. Then we try to call it a prophetic word from the Lord. It's not. It's from our own spirits. Does it make it any less true? Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it doesn't. I'm not saying that every time we prophesy out of our own spirits, it's always wrong. You know, I think in Scripture, the example is it's almost always wrong. I think there's one or two examples where it's not. And I don't remember what those references are. So I challenge you, research it if you want. Uh, but what I want to get across is that um, when we sit in our own our own understanding, our own thinking, our own feelings, um, if we're looking to prophesy our own will into a situation because we want someone to change for us or we want the glory in the situation, it isn't holy, it's manipulative. When you study these verses, these sets of verses that we just looked at, these prophets were being manipulative for their own gain, not for the glory of the Lord. Um, this isn't the truth being spoken, it's deception. Uh, if the enemy can influence us into a place of pride and always thinking that we are right, he won't ever have to prophesy through us because our pride does all the work for him. Does that make sense? I'd like to say something about a couple of these chapters here in Jeremiah. Yeah. Jeremiah was the weakest prophet in the nation. The tragedy of Israel being carried off Babylon out of the nation. My emo boy. Yeah. Uh, the thing is, the prophets, they weren't prophesying bad things. They were prophesying good things. And Israel would come out of captivity. And the Lord was saying, prophesying lies now. Yeah. I have in here punishment to inspire them to refine them. Yeah. And I think it's important to remember that again, just with the, the attitude, even if it's a heart attitude, it seems like a good thing, like it's good and emotional, it's good to see positive things because we're positive people living in in a healthy community. Stay posy, bro. It doesn't mean that it's always God speaking to no. that person their life that he might actually be taking them through a, a, a we like to say season in our christianity but through a time really where he wants them to rely on him and his yeah. voice and to prayerfully seek him yeah. and to say peace when there really is god hasn't brought the peace in that life yet it takes to take away from from that person's honest time with the lord yeah there's a there's and that's that's it's good that you bring that up because i've been going through what St. John of the Cross would call a dark, the dark night of the soul. And I've been going through a lot of just difficulty with some, some things and some refinements. It has sucked 100%. It's been worth it. It has definitely just sucked. I have not been happy. Um, but it's brought me closer to the Lord. And if someone were to prophesy, oh, like tomorrow it's going to be better when the Lord wants me take to, wants to take me through the suffering that is the suck in order to get closer to him, they would they would be they would be prophesying out of their own spirits. They'd be prophesying. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. 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 Right. 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 Which. 
Yeah. No, but in the moment, it does feel good, doesn't it? Yeah. When you hold that when it actually isn't happening like that. Yeah. And it's hard because as leaders, you want to be positive. You want to have the encouraging words to get people to get up and move. But sometimes God wants people to just sit and wait in their brokenness for his strength to come in and help. Yeah. And that's, yeah, I think it's hard to know when it's like hearing, are you hearing the word of the Lord? Or are you just trying to cheer someone up right now and saying it's God? (laughs) Yes, that's hard. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, uh, gossip, slander, accusation, um, they're all closely related to prophesying out of the human spirit. Soothsaying, uh, not just, you know, in the sense of talking to demonic spirits, because that's not necessarily what I'm referencing. But if you say things that are meant to soothe somebody's heart that aren't true, that's not that's not prophecy from the Lord. Sometimes it can be if it's from the Lord, but again, like like. Um, Monica just said, like, if you're uncomfortable with somebody's pain and you're just trying to soothe them um, and saying it's the Lord, like, that's not, it's, it's inerrant, you know, or not inerrant, it's, it's an error. No, just um, be a good friend and listen. Here's that. Like, be a friend. Don't have to be a prophet in that moment. Sorry, I've learned this the hard way. I've hurt people. I don't want to do it anymore. Right. Um. So this, the problem, um, it's, so gossip, slander, and accusation are all closely related to prophesying of the human spirit. It's our will and understanding being poured out, not the Holy Spirit. And the problem is that because we are the, the problem is that because we are people in process, our understandings, our uh, will, and our heart motives, um, our feelings, they're skewed. Somewhere, something's wrong because, well, we're not on the other side of eternity yet. Um, and we have, to, we have to realize that. Now, one of the greatest signs of prophetic maturity is recognizing when the Holy Spirit stops speaking and when my spirit keeps speaking. Um. Sometimes we prophesy out of our own spirits because we want to finish what God has started or teach someone through the prophetic word. But our job is to say what God says and then stop when He does. He is the author and the finisher of our faith, which means He will carry the word to its fulfillment. If He stops, then we have to stop as well. Now, I bring this up because I've been in many situations where, I mean, myself included, I'm not discrediting myself from being from doing any of these things that I'm describing because I've done them. That's why I'm talking about them. Um, you know, but I, I, I knew, a, I knew a, a, a girl um, who would prophesy out of her own spirit a lot. And, and honestly, in a lot of ways, she was, she was right about people because she had a great gift of empathy and discerning of spirits. But what she would call, thus say if the Lord wasn't the Lord at all a lot of times. And when the Lord would speak and then stop, she would keep going and it would mess people up. And so because of that, she's not really walking with the Lord because she didn't understand why she was wrong or why the Lord, she, she thought the Lord was wrong, but 
you know, when you get to a place like that where you think the Lord is continuing to speak to you about people and about yourself, but he's not, you end up losing faith in what the Lord is doing because you can't tell the difference between you and the Lord or between how you feel and how other people are feeling because of that gift of empathy and discerning of spirits and things like that. And so you read into things based on your understanding and on your feelings and um, you, you go too far in the prophetic word and it stops being a prophetic word from the Lord and it, and it keeps going with your own spirit and what you want to say rather than the word being an invitation to the person to go deeper with the Lord. Um, if our if our prophetic words on our part, not on the person receiving, because that's a different story, right? But it, on our part, if our prophetic words, uh, if we're giving prophetic words in order to invite somebody into deeper relationship with us and become more dependent on us, we're not prophesying out of the Holy Spirit. We're prophesying out of our own spirit and ego. You know, if it's a true prophetic word from the Lord, we're going to say just enough to invite them in to relationship and sanctification with him um, so that they become more dependent on the Lord and seeking the Lord out, not seeking us out, right? So, right, right. Situation or perspective on it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, check this out. Like, even leading churches and stuff, man, being in positions of leadership, I pray, I'll get a word from the Lord, and I go, okay, great, we're going to do it. And then I start thinking about it, and I go, okay, here's my own understandings and feelings about where I'm at right now and what's going on. And then this thing that should have just been a simple prophetic word from the Lord that I should have just gone and done, I end up talking myself, prophesying myself, thinking myself, praying myself out of faith because of my own skewed understandings and feelings and emotions rather than just being obedient. And again, when you're talking about being prophetic, prophetic is seeing what the Father's doing and doing it, saying what the Father says and saying it, simply being obedient. And if we do anything that would take us away from that, then... If we are doing it, then it's it's our own spirits that are coming in conflict with the Lord. But then, when we get to the third source of prophetic revelation, an evil spirit, it could also be an evil spirit as well. It could be demonic. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Ask you a question or ask you to clarify yeah. something. Yeah. 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 Go to the next one. Yeah. With the human spirit, I think it's important to qualify the emotions involved in prophecy because while there's a lot of times that emotions are not good in prophecy because yeah. they can lead us astray. Right. There are also really good times. Like especially I know for me, a lot of times when I'm praying or prophesying over somebody, the Lord will give me like a burden of like an emotion. Yeah. For that person, like a yeah. empathy. Yeah. And so like biblically, how would you qualify that? You've already answered your question. Okay. The Lord gave Just you the Lord giving it. Yeah. And then, so, so so that's the question yeah. too for yeah. like others and even myself. It's yeah. Just like, how do I know? That's yeah. The Lord. Now we're going yeah. to the next. Yeah. 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 So. Yeah. So get this. So keep in mind what is prophecy? Prophecy is a spon- is the Lord speaking spontaneously, whether whether it's because it's it's a 
you can't conjure it up. It just it comes up. It bub- right. remember one of the words for prophecy is to bubble up. It just bubbles up inside of you, right? It's like I, it's, it's like a burp. You can't you can try to stop it, but it's gonna it's gonna come out some way, shape or form, right? Yeah, you might try to hold it up, but it's still gonna blow out at some some way, right? So, um, so. When we talk about feelings and prophetic feelings, feelings from the Lord, well, first of all, here, how you quantify that is, one, they're from the Lord. They bubble up inside of you. You're not stewing in them, you know, because you know what that person's in and you feel for them. That would be, I would classify that as stewing in it, you know. But if you walk in, you know, say, okay, say for instance, um, you know, say for, we'll use I'm Angel, I'm just going to use you for, for a second, right? Say, say, I'll use both of you guys. Cam, say you know the angel's going through something, right? And you just, you feel for him. You just feel for him and you feel for him and you pray for him all the time. You know, you know exactly what he's going into, right? So you're, you're, you, you know, you're kind of stewing on it. But if you're, if you're around him, you, you sort of, you try to let it go so it doesn't hang over your guys' hangout time, right? You, you try to forget about it. You're just hanging out. You're just there to be with him to bring the presence of the Lord with you. You know, maybe he's going through hardcore depression right now, right? Um, and when he's not around, you pray for him all the time. But when he is around, you just, you're trying to enjoy his company. You're focusing on him and you're focusing on the Lord, right? Yeah. So if in that moment you begin to bring up the thought processes that you've already had for him, then you begin to stew. And it's your own human spirit working. But, if you're in a place where you're, you literally, you're not thinking about your old thought processes at all. You're, you're just looking at him. You're thinking about him. You're thinking about the Lord. Yeah. Your heart is set on the Lord. And the Lord goes, hey, I'm going to give you some insight. I know you feel for him because you're empathetic and you carry mm-hmm. things for people. But I'm going to show you how he's really feeling. And you have this deep burning, I would say deep burning gut feeling. Not just feeling in your heart and not just like a thinking that connects. You know what I mean? Because like I think there's a difference between, and again, demystifying it, getting away from the spiritual things, right? Especially us as men, we know that there's a difference between what we know and feel heart-wise and head-wise versus what we feel in our gut. And when we feel something in our gut, we know it's right and we're going to follow it, right? And so... When, when we, you know, we, again, we talk about this later when we talk about how the Lord speaks. When it comes to f- feelings, like prophetic feelings, it's not going to be a heart thing. And it's not going to be, a, it's not going to be as much of a head thing. It's almost like being in <clears throat> control of yeah. emotion. It's like controlled yeah. emotion. It's not this emotion that kind of. You just go flow in the river of the emotion. Right. It's like, I feel this, and it's not going to like destroy me. Yeah. I just feel really sad. Yeah. Like, yeah. I feel like the Lord is it's, it's that gut feeling. Remember, Jesus was moved by compassion. Yeah. And that word compassion in the Greek, as much as I love to point this out, let's get serious about it for a second. That word in the Greek means bowel movement. Where do you feel your bowels at? In your gut. Deep compassion. If the Lord's giving you... If the Lord's giving you a deep compassion to feel for someone, you're not gonna feel you're not gonna feel the lighthearted, uh, fluttery like 
or even like, I, and I, I would even say like, you know, depressive, like, like sympathy. yeah, it's not going to be sympathy. It's yeah. going to be, it's going to be that deep cries out to deep. Yeah. The Lord laid this on me. We got to do something for you right now. I think too, it's that it's say, oh, I've been through that experience, but I know what this person is going through. Yeah. Try to give yeah. Yeah. That would that would I would definitely consider that as prophesying out of your own spirit because you're prophesying out of your own experience and not not the revelation that the Lord could give you about that person. You know what I mean? Does that answer? Do you feel like that answers your question? Okay. Yeah. I just wanted to make sure we talked about it because I know that that conversation we could probably spend a whole teaching on the role of emotions within our spiritual life. Yeah. Because it's gotten so whacked out. Oh yeah. Yeah, and we don't want to, and you know, we don't want to take the feelings out of what we do, and we don't want to take feelings out of, um, out of the study of theology because the Lord made us to be good, to be very good. He gave us feelings for a reason. The Lord has feelings. We just have to know where the source of the feel, what the source of the feelings is. And I mean, similar to the prophetic, we have to know what the source is and we have to know what to do with it. Um, and so, you know, uh, prophesying out of our, our feelings is, is prophesying out of the human spirit. But when the Lord gives us that deep gut, spontaneous, we got to do it, um, or this is what you're going through. I feel it now. I understand, you know, not just, oh, I have an understanding or oh, like I've been through something similar, so I feel for you. But deep, like the Lord has given me insight. This is it. Let's, I get it. I'm going to intercede for you and pray for you hardcore now. You know, I, I think that that's really, I think that's really the difference because I think there are a lot of people that think that they're interceding properly and prophesying properly because of how they feel and and they're not because it's their feelings and their understandings of what, and this is the other thing too. Sometimes because we have such a knowledge of things, we think we are feeling properly because we have an understanding of what the feeling feels like. And that's not really a feeling. That's just our understanding of it. Um, but when the Lord comes and speaks to us through feelings, it's not just an understanding of feeling. It's, it's oh, I feel it. Yeah. And I feel it deep. I get it now. There's also like an understanding that this isn't a feeling for you. Yeah. I feel like that happened the other night when we were praying. Well, I was just overcome with emotion. But it was just you. It wasn't anything about you. Well, how would I feel if I was in their place? Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. 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 Usually it's probably different from what the person's
That's yeah. good. You're not cool. just trying to coddle someone. Yeah. 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 I I mean I've had um there have been there have been times where I've been in places where I've been around people who on the outside seem like the most joyous people in the world. Most joyous. They're known in their church for being the like the source of joy for the church because they're always just so happy and bubbly and I've just gone up like the Lord will just hits me with a depression and I, I I've gone up to them and I've been like, You need to you need to be honest with yourself and with with the people that you're supposed to be serving and around like you're you're struggling i see it i i the lord revealed it to me like let's can i pray for you you know and it and it breaks them and they're, they're able to open up and i mean i mean uh even there have been people who have done that to me and for me too and so it's it's important to 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 be connected to the lord and not just be looking at things through your own spirit so just you you had a question yeah, um, very quickly, there's a verse that I just kind of wanted to, you had mentioned people saying, thus saith the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, what would qualify the time to actually say that now versus then? Because I, I, I know there's been some hurt and there's been some confusion about to say, thus saith the Lord. And yeah. there's also maybe says people who say this that until the day of the Lord comes that the, the law is going to come that would have been hard mm-hmm. um, until they say they will be my people it says that literally the parents <coughs> that you prophesy in those days that they will run their children through with the sword to say that there is nothing more and I've always wondered well why do we keep saying thus saith the Lord I personally don't. I hate. I hate that saying, not the scriptures, but I hate that saying when people bring it up because uh, being in more continuationist churches, I've seen that abused. I've seen people say, "Thus saith the Lord," and and then the prophecy never come true. I've had people prophesy, "Thus saith the Lord" over me, and most of those prophecies have never come true. Um, you know, uh, I had somebody prophesy one time, thus say of the Lord, you'll be rich by the time you're 30. And he, they meant money. I am having trouble paying my, I'm broke. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have a savings account right now. Like, uh, why couldn't that word be true, right? So, um, you know, I guess. <laughs> Ouch. Brother, how much were you tithing? Yeah, not enough, apparently. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, I say that to say, I think when it comes to thus saith the Lord, I, I would like for us as a network of churches, I would say to be on the safe side and be, be humble and open to correction, which I think we always should be. I would say that we should never thus saith the Lord a prophecy. I think um it's not even thus because like that's not all Yeah, the Lord is saying. Yeah, and I and I've heard some people say, Oh, well, if you're gonna if you're gonna go and prophesy over somebody, you should be sure and you should say, Yeah, this is the Lord. The Lord is saying this and I'm like, ah, that just seems really prideful to me. Yeah, it's not a prerequisite and and 
And my issue with that is the same people that have been a part of our network that have done things like that have been so um, unwilling to accept accountability or correction to those words. I can think of some stories that Cameron <laughs> shared with me about some stuff that has happened that like I, uh, I, I, I just want us to avoid that completely. I want us to stay humble. I'd rather in the, stay in the lane of humility and let the Lord elevate us through the prophetic words being right, even if we're not saying this is the Lord speaking. Um, and so for me, when I approach prophesying over people, I will say things like, I feel like the Lord is saying. I feel like the Lord is saying. Not, or I think. Or I think the Lord is saying. Yeah. That way, I'm still open to being corrected. And I'm not so sold on my ability to hear from the Lord that I cut myself off from hearing. But First Corinthians 14 says we hear in part and prophesy in part. Right, right. 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 The only time I will not say I feel like the Lord is saying or I think the Lord is saying is when I am in a demonic circumstances. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I and I like because and this is probably maybe I should be. I trust <laughs> I trust the gift of discerning of spirits in me more than I trust my ability to prophesy. And so when the Lord reveals a spirit to me, I'm pretty sure it's there. And so I'm just going to call it out. You're still humble. Yeah. It's just your approach is not as yeah. humble addressing a spirit. Yeah. Yeah. And typically I'm not talking to the person going, Hey, I feel like the spirit is there. I'm, I'm usually I'm looking directly at the spirit and going, so and so get out, right. you know, so and so leave. Yeah, yeah, um, you know, and so, <laughs> so, yeah. So anyway, I would say within within our network of churches, if we can, if we can make it a rule, I do I do address church etiquette in the next lesson that we're gonna do. So well, we've talked about this here with Maranatha. Yeah. Uh, Judge and it. Test it and right. judge it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's a big part of the churches that do practice thus saith the Lord. Yeah. None of the people are trained up to Ooh, judge the word. Yeah. They're supposed to listen to the, the pastor or the, the whoever it is. Yeah. You know, You're right. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Let the word speak for itself. Right. Right. We don't need to. Prophetic words can have life to them and be accurate and oftentimes it's like what the person's already been ruminating on somewhere in yeah. their spirit. With respect to the culture that you guys have created in uh, do you think there's a time and place to say, in, in scriptures, for example, that it says, like, in the day of the Lord, you know, and you'll have like, these things that are to happen within the community. Right. That, you know, it'll become one thing or something. To say, thus saith the Lord, as far as 
Oh, yeah, we're yeah, we're just speaking scripture, and it says, "Thus saith the Lord." Thus saith the Lord. But Here we go. If it's, now help me out here. Yeah. If it's taking that scripture and saying, "God gave me this scripture for you," then handing it to them and say, "Because of what it says for them to apply it into their life," it depends on the situation. Okay. Yeah. Because I've seen where that's been kind of misconstrued. So I'm just curious. Yeah. How, right. Right. If it's I feel like the Lord gave me a word for you in Matthew six thirty six. All these but thus saith the Lord, you're gonna Okay. That's that that's how easily yeah, that yeah. can go wrong. Okay. You know I mean? Yeah. The the yeah. thus saith the Lord there would be Christ. seek yeah. the kingdom. Yeah. Yeah. All these things will be added to you. Thus saith the Lord. The yeah. I feel like the Lord's saying yeah. in the seek his kingdom, he's going to take care of you with a car. See how different that is? Because I have heard a lot of people say, thus saith the Lord, and cite scripture, nothing else. Right. And that to me has always made sense because yeah. the Lord did say that. Right. But not, like you said, the extra part. We can't say, thus saith the Lord, because what if they go into another car the next day? <laughs> yeah. You're like, uh, uh. Yeah. When you write a book, when you quote somebody, write down who said the quotation. Right. And then when you finish the quotation, you end it with quotation marks. And then you go back up to picking up what you're saying. So I think it's important in prophecy. Yeah. To if you're quoting the scripture, take, take this is what the Lord says. Yeah. And yeah. then differentiating. This yeah. is how we get better at giving prophetic words. Mm. Differentiating what scripture says mm -hmm. to you know this is my interpretation of what the Lord is giving. You know. Yeah. I love this topic because it's. I think it's something like we're really proud of in the West. I think there's still a lot of the, the churches are still coming, for whatever reason, coming to the knowledge of learning how to operate in prophetic around the world, having the opportunity to serve in different nations. But corporately, there seems to be different boundaries for how that word is given versus personally. And everything you said, I agree with personally, but I've noticed a lot of times corporately, for, for there to be a corporate movement of God over a church, a lot of times there is this this more boldness and to say like God has said this is what we will do, this is what He's called us to, and to lay out a vision. So I think. Uh, do, do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, There's yeah. So I, I I understand what you're what you're asking and now, what you're getting into. So yeah. yeah, I think. Um, so when we're talking about the gift of prophecy here, we're talking about personal prophecy, learning how to hear the voice of the Lord, and give that to our neighbor. Now, everything that we just said backs up that aspect of it. Now, if you're looking to prophesy over an entire church or an entire church movement, um, I would still go with, I feel like the Lord is saying to us, this is what we need to be doing. Like mm -hmm. when you think back to that, that uh, IDH um, family meeting where we finally were able to get everybody together, one of the big things that I felt like the Lord was calling us into into this next season was deep discipleship and learning how to be missional and some people took that seriously and they're flourishing some people didn't um and so the ones that took it seriously are flourishing you know they're doing things they're still around they're kicking it um they're partnering with the holy spirit in in many different ways and and uh so i i would still say i would say i'm still going to use terminology like i feel like the lord is saying but i'm going to speak it with a little more authority yeah. 
because I'm still willing to be wrong. But you still say I feel. Do you I take I, I, I as take, far as handing the word off? Yes. Okay. Because I still want to be mm. open to being wrong. Mm. Because if I am wrong, mm. then I can say, you know what, guys? I misheard. Or maybe I didn't hear at all. Maybe I conjured it myself, and I'm really sorry. I will own that. Now, I would also say, too, like we talk about maps and we talk about Sherry Moore. I know she'll get up there and just be like, the Lord is saying. Um, I think that there, I'm not a prophet over a house. And I think when you have that gifting and that grace, I think you're allowed to speak with a little more umph if you're trusted and if your prophecies have been proven to come true. And I think that's the thing. I think if you're going to be the prophet over a house, say Maranatha House gets somebody who's who actually receives the office of being a prophet here. You guys are like, hey, yeah, this is the prophet. We've seen them prophesy things. Those things have come true. Those things have come true. We're going to trust them to be our prophet, to be our seer, to see things about us, to be praying for us all the time, to help direct the vision, to help course correct, because that's what prophets do. Um, and we say, yes, this is the person. Then you're going to trust them to make statements and judgment calls like that. You're still going to judge it because that's what Scripture says to do, but you're going to at least give them the benefit of the doubt and trust them. Whereas, say, if a teacher gets up with a prophetic word like that, well, you know he's the teacher. He's not the prophet, so why is he prophesying like that? I don't know. You know? Um, and so, not to say that the teacher can't prophesy like that, but that's. But what I'm saying is that when you have, I there are distinctions. Um, but it's been it, tested over time, is what I, what I hear. Right, it's, right, it's, it's right. Amazing. If you if you if you have somebody who is going to be the prophet of a house, mm -hmm. they're the prophet of the house because they've been called by the Lord. The church recognizes they've been called by the Lord, and they continuously produce prophetic words that have been tested, tried, and have come true, whether for individuals or for the group as a whole. You see that in their life. Does that make sense? And if that is the case, I would be more apt to saying, you know what, they're allowed to just go for it. They can say, thus saith the Lord. Am I going to do it? No, because <laughs> I'm just not comfortable with that. But if they, if, if, if they come and usually being you know being apostolic and stuff usually the word's going to get run by me first if they come and run the word by me and i go that resonates with me go ahead and give it and they get up and they say the lord is saying or thus saith the lord because it resonated with me i'm going to say you know i back this up we're going to see what the lord's going to do does that make sense yes so since you mentioned sherry more just as an honorary she will go and has accountability of the board Yeah. So yeah, I know she does. She's real good about that. So yeah. Real quick, we're about an hour and ten minutes. This. So I know you. Yeah. You, you're finishing up. Yeah. Let's let's roll. We'll wrap it quick. We'll wrap it quick. And then if you guys have any more questions, we can do it after the recording's over and done with. All right. The last source of prophetic revelation is an evil spirit. You guys ready to get into this? Matthew 16. Here we go. We're starting at verse 16. Matthew 16. Matthew sixteen sixteen. Uh, where are we going? Matthew sixteen sixteen. Sixteen sixteen. What was the second 
know. The first one was the Holy Spirit. The second one was the human spirit. The human. And this is this is the evil spirit. Like yeah. Um. So, we'll we'll start in verse thirteen. Sorry. Uh. That way we have context. Matthew 16, verse 13. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said to them, But who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered, Blessed are you, Jesus, uh, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go into Jerusalem and suffer many things, from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and rebuked him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter and said, <clears throat> He turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Yeah. Um, so we see that Jesus was no longer talking to Peter. He was talking to Satan. <laughs> Settlers of Satan. Well, I know we laugh about it, but in the Hebrew, that's actually how they pronounce it is Satan. Yeah. 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 So, uh, let's go to Revelation 12.10. Twelve ten. So heavy ready. I've yeah. never heard that. Um, that one's going back to wood. <laughs> and I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. Day and night before our God. The first one was pretty easy. Jesus stops talking to Peter and he starts talking to Satan, right? Pretty simple to see that. What I want you to see here is that the enemy of our souls, Satan, is the accuser of the brethren and he accuses us day and night. I would ask you to consider if accusations are coming your way as a Christian because of your faith as a Christian, who are they really coming from? Because if people are really all about tolerance in our country, quote-unquote, and they should tolerate the fact that we are Christians. I will tell you that most of the people who want tolerance don't actually tolerate us as Christians, which is interesting, right? It has. It has. So the, when, when we are being accused of things, who's really accusing us? Probably not that person. It's probably the enemy, right? Behind the scenes. Uh, Acts 16. My last Bible verse for the nine. Aren't you guys glad? Acts 16, verses 16 through 18. 
says, and we are, we were going to the place of prayer. And we were going to the place of prayer. We were met by a girl as we were going to a place of prayer. Man, it's weird being able to see because I feel like I'm like auto filling in words when I shouldn't be. Weird. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Stupid. This guy stinks. All right, uh, <laughs> start again. Verse 16, as we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune telling. Keep in mind, in the Old Testament, one of the sins that got you killed was fortune telling and talking to demons, right? She followed Paul and us crying out, these men are servants of the Most High God, who proclaimed to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus, come out of her. And it came out that very hour. Um, so one thing that I want you to see here in reference to evil spirits and how they prophesy, how they proclaim things, is that sometimes they proclaim things that look godly. That look godly. This spirit of divination was walking around yelling and screaming that Paul and Silas, because that's who these we were, Paul and Silas, were sent by the Lord God Most High, which sounds like, man, that should be great. We would want that kind of procession, right? That way people know we're coming. But let me ask you something. If someone's walking around yelling and screaming behind you that you're from God, from the Lord God Most High, and it's driving people away rather than bringing them to you, is that really God or is that the enemy? There's a right way and a wrong way to do things. And even if an evil spirit is saying the right thing, if they're doing it in the wrong way, this is where it gets tricky. I'm not saying, because there's human error in us at times, hearing correctly from the Holy Spirit and presenting it the wrong way. There's a difference between us hearing rightly and presenting wrongly. When it's an evil spirit, <laughs> they say the right things in the wrong way. They can. Not all the time. They can, But they can present 99% truth, but have that 1% of deception or evil intent in it, and it ruins everything. Does that make sense? You guys tracking with me? Alright, so, an evil spirit pulls us away from the plans of Christ. So in Acts 16, what we see and in, and in Matthew 16, what we see is, Matthew 16, Satan had come behind Peter and said, Hey, speak against what Jesus is saying. This isn't going to be true. And Jesus said, Get behind me, Satan. Right? Because your plans are not my plans. In Acts 16, what we find is, he tried a different approach. Yay, these are the men of God! But that same spirit that was in that woman was driving people away rather than bringing people to, to them. And it wasn't until he, they cast out the spirit that people were like, oh, these really are the men of God. Let's put them in jail. But then they had a revival in the jail, right? Like, it still led to something good because Paul put a stop to the spirit. But in that moment, the spirit was driving people away, not bringing them to them. An evil spirit will accuse our brethren rather than correct or edify them. 
right? Revelation 12.10, the accuser of our brethren. And then my last little note here is that an evil spirit will cause a distraction. It may cause the ministers to be distracted, as in the case with Paul, or it will distract the people from the things of God. Right? And so, again, being in continuationist churches, uh, we'll, we'll put it this way. If, if someone gets up and all of a sudden you start having red flags in your spirit, the gift of the discerning of spirits picks up about what they're saying, there might be something else underneath what they're saying. It may not be them saying it, and it may not be the Holy Spirit saying it, right? Um, if it distracts from what God is doing, like, you know, say you guys finish your worship time, you're about to get into the teaching time, you pray, you start teaching, and then all of a sudden somebody comes up and they've got, I got a prophetic word and I just got to share it right now. Well, no, you don't because God placed a, a leader in here and you need to follow his leadership. If you really have a prophetic word, let's submit it to the leadership. Make sure it's really from God and not just the enemy or you trying to be a distraction and get the glory for something that you don't need glory for or give the enemy a foothold in the middle of the service and distract everyone from what the Lord is trying to teach them or build them up in that moment. Does that make sense? I wish we had more time where we could get into the weird stuff that happens during worship Yeah, but that stuff typically isn't prophetic. It's manifestation. So... We could talk about that with gift of discerning of spirits, you know. Um, that's it. That's all I've got. So let's pray, and then um, I'll check my phone and make sure my wife doesn't absolutely need me right now. And if you guys have questions after that, uh, as long as she doesn't need me, then we'll stick around and you guys can ask questions. Um, Abba, we just come before you in the name of Jesus. I pray that your word uh, would go out and not return void in our hearts. I pray that this got our minds and our spirits stirring. I pray that it would lead us closer to you. I pray for the people that would hear this on the podcast. And Lord, I pray that you would give them divine questions, that you would speak to them, that you would invite them into a place of hunger and seeking after you and seeking answers. Lord, and I pray that they would uh, seek you out enough to find them. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening, everybody. We hope you have been blessed by today's teaching. And as always, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus.